Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, Good morning, Edwin. Good morning, Andrew. Happy Monday. It is a great Monday. Where does this fantastic Monday, Monday. Where does this Monday find you today, my friend? Well, you know, this is one of those... Uh, struggles between the day this airs and the day we're recording this, because on the day this airs, it's going to be a couple of weeks from now, but on the day we're recording this, my youngest daughter got baptized last night, so I am flying high. I praise God for that. That's such a wonderful thing. I am just super, super excited about that. It's just a, so it's a wonderful day. I'm tired. Can I say your name? Sure, sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's Trina. Welcome to the family, Sister Trina. We love you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just totally stoked about that. But that did make for a little bit of a late night last night. So I'm also dragging. So it's it's like at the same time, dragging and excited, excited and dragging. But we're gonna You're sitting right where you need to be. You've got you've got the cup of the go juice. Got my job. Our podcast fuel. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a new week, a new psalm, Psalm fifty. This one is a psalm of Asaph. Our, this is our first psalm of Asaph. First psalm of Asaph. Finally, we moved past in before season one ends. <laughs> season two. We're in season oh, two. Oh, that's right. Season two. But speaking of. It is Monday. Yeah. Speaking of, season three will be coming beginning yeah. in September. Right. We're going to be moving into the New Testament yeah, for a year. Going to do Matthew. Going to start with Matthew. So excited, excited. about that. Yes. The story of Jesus. Yes. Today, let's read Psalm 50, a psalm of Asaph from the English Standard Version. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself, but now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. So you begin by noticing the heading, a psalm of Asaph. Asaph. So what we have here is one of the people named in Chronicles, in the establishment of the order of 
temple worship and service when David is given the pattern by God to order the Levites, particularly in the music ministry, if I can use that word, the liturgical music of the temple. You've got sons of Korah, you've got Asaph, you've got Heman. Uh, and, and he's a contemporary then of David. He's a contemporary even of Solomon. And when I realized that, this psalm almost sounds prophetic. I mean, he's writing about a coming judgment, seems to be even hastening a judgment. Um, and I guess I, I just uh, realized that in his days, for the most part, that man, um, Temple was in pretty good shape. It was brand new, man. Brand new house, brand new worship, Shekinah glory coming in in Solomon's time and all that. Well, with Asaph being with David, that would have been the tabernacle going along with Solomon, the temple being built at that time, temple worship and tabernacle worship at its height. Um, We remember the city of God from Psalm 48 Mm -hmm. was just the beautiful, wonderful place of God's dwelling that if anybody came and saw it, they were just going to flee. If if anybody came to see it in battle, they're going to flee. flee away from it. If they're coming with hostile intent, they're going to flee and run. But those who come to worship, it's certainly going to be, it's a beautiful, wonderful place. And we see this psalm kicking off with that. But it does make a sharp left turn right in the middle. I mean, doesn't it? So at the beginning, like verse 3, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him. I'm reading from the New King James. And it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He's talking about God coming and God coming for judgment. And where God begins is with the people of God. All the people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that all the people contemplated in this judgment scene are covenant people, people who have been worshiping, people who have been offering sacrifices, of course, at the temple setting or tabernacle setting. That makes sense. But apparently not all the people who come and offer some sacrifices would do well in the judgment of God. So here's the picture. As this psalm starts, it seems like we're continuing the theme that was in 46, 47, 48. Mm where we see the great city of God, the great deliverance God has given his people, the great victory, and so Zion is shining forth. We see God shining forth from Zion, having read those psalms. And then, of course, the the intervening one of 49 that seemed to be one of personal application and wisdom that came from all of that. It starts off with this picture that sounds like, here we are in Zion, we're God's people, we have a God who doesn't keep silent. We have a God who's going to judge the nations. It really sounds like it, it, that's that's what's coming. Mm-hmm. However, verse 4 is the real shift. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. His people. Not the nations. Mm-hmm. This is a really interesting development. Um, we've got in verse 3, our God comes, he does not keep silence. My understanding is that that actually can be translated even as may God come and not keep silence. Okay, so I wondered about that because I, it, to me it has a kind of a Maranatha flavor to it, these first couple of verses. Come, Lord, come, Lord, quickly. When I read that in the New Testament, I, you know, part of me w- wants to pray that, wants to say, Jesus, come, I, I want to go to be with you in heaven forever. And yet when Jesus comes, it will be judgment. And the New Testament says judgment begins with the house of God. And it's, 
it's really kind of frightening even to read here in Psalm 50 as he lays out, and there will be good things for the covenant people who are faithful. But he spends a lot of time, verse 16 and following, saying that some of my people are going to suffer in my return and in my judgment. And so... (laughs) To me, uh, sometimes I'm a lot more excited about praying Maranatha than others, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, okay, here we are. It's, We're it's humbling. It is humbling. And, and I guess I, you know, I can see that here in my heart is room to grow in my faith because w- what I ought to be is I ought to be every day praying Maranatha. But sometimes I'm fearful too. Here we are. We're Christians. We're in Jesus Christ. We know that we have an advocate with the Father. We know that there's. Uh, grace and mercy and hope in Jesus Christ and that we're going to be able to be in his presence with boldness and confidence because of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. And yet the thought of judgment is a frightening thing. Yeah. And I, I often think, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could have like a dry run, a Mm. sneak peek? You know, if I were to go to judgment right now, Lord, what would that look like? Could you show me? Hmm. And then I would then I would know. Okay, here's where I need to work. Here's where I'm okay. <laughs> so, so a, a, the benefit of a judgment picture is an opportunity to repent. Exactly to to figure out which direction things need to go from here on out. I think that's what Psalm 50 actually provides for the Israelites. Okay. So they it's almost as if they're crying out, God, break your silence, come judge, because they have a picture that it's going to be all the nations that are getting judged. Right. But instead, it does start with the household of God. In fact, in verse 4, he calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Well, why would he call to the heavens and the earth? Well, I can tell you why. Because back when God gave the law, mm-hmm. the witness to the covenant yes. was the heavens and the earth. You can yes. look in passages like Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 26, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. These are passages where when the covenant was ratified, the witnesses to the covenant were the heavens and the earth. So now he's calling those witnesses to the covenant and say, all right, come see. My people haven't kept their covenant. And certainly you see it even in verse 6 in this psalm, right? Let the heavens declare his righteousness. God himself is judge. And so the heavens are going to be able to say that God has been faithful. They've witnessed all of that. And the heavens are going to see where the people of God had not. And so in verse five, gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. There's a couple of possibilities about what's happening here. Yeah. This can either be a picture of God speaking, but he's speaking sarcastically. All right, bring in my people, these quote, faithful ones who made a covenant by sacrifice. Or this may be a picture of the Israelites putting words in God's mouth, what they think would be said about them, and yet the rest of the psalm demonstrates, no, no, that is not what's going to be said. Isn't that just a word of conviction, though? The, the fact is these people had participated in that covenant that was ratified by animal sacrifices. I mean, Moses throwing the blood all over them and that when the, when the covenant was... Isn't this just to say... We are in covenant, so then he can say, and you have failed. You have misunderstood. (laughs) Yeah, there's a little bit of that. In fact, well, a lot of that. In fact, I think verse 5, that who made a covenant with me by sacrifice, provides the outline for the rest of the psalm. Yeah. He's got these two things. You guys have made a covenant with me, and you have done it by sacrifice. And then, so verse 1 through 6 presents kind of an introduction to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then what you have is verse 7 through 15 is a second stanza Verse 16 through 23 is a third stanza. So you've got the introduction, Mm -hmm. the call into the courtroom, and now you've got the legal arguments against 
which actually follow this covenant and sacrifice, but in reverse, because verses 7 through 15 shows the terrible sacrifices. They're sorry sacrificing. Right. Verses 16 through 23 shows their contemptuous covenant keeping. You guys think that you're going to be judged faithful, but you're not. Yeah. You, you got in this relationship with me through a covenant by sacrifice, but your sacrifices have been awful and your covenant keeping has been terrible. And yeah, and, and even inappropriate teaching of it. I mean, something that really strikes me in verse 16 to the wicked, God says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth? Yeah. You're wicked people, and yet you are talking about my covenant. You're trying to teach people about my covenant. You're not there. And you're tossing it behind you, and yeah. you're not following it. So yeah. here's, as we as we come kind of to having to close up this conversation, I think one of the things that I see here in this psalm, especially applying for us today, Mm -hmm. can we end up in the same place they have been? Mm -hmm. And I think we can. And I think the response to that is to fear God. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the psalm that we read last week. Right. Psalm 49, the wisdom psalm, which always gets back to what's the beginning of wisdom? Fear God. Fear of the Lord. What's happened is we've got Israelites who've become complacent. Mm-hmm. They've, hey, we offer the sacrifices, we go to the temple, we're doing these right things, and so that means we're okay. They've become apathetic, they've become complacent, they don't have the fear of God. Back in Exodus, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, there was fear. Oh, yeah. And they said, be silent. Yeah. You and Moses talk. Now they're just, yeah, why don't you, come on. Come well, break your silence because it never occurs to them that when he breaks his silence, they're the ones going to be judged. And isn't it the way it is, though, that now we've come to a time in the kingdom in the days of Asaph where it's all good. <laughs> we've got a beautiful temple and, you know, God is on his throne and everything's great. And in those times of blessing, there's a great danger of complacency and apathy, taking God for granted. Uh, and God won't have it. There will be judgment. And so what we have to maintain is the fear of the Lord that mm-hmm. is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. That that, And it's interesting, there back in Exodus, you have this picture almost of if you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear the Lord. Yeah. And that's, that's where we need to remain, that we're going to revere, we're going to respect, we're going to honor, we're going to fear the awesome God, because we understand when judgment comes, it will begin with us. Amen. So glad that you join us for Text Talk today. Let us know what you're learning from the program. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this psalm. We are humbled and sobered to read it, to realize, Father, that you are holy, awesome, and great. We must not be complacent. We must not uh, serve a caricature of you, but to truly know you as you are revealed, to keep you holy in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would be merciful to us and forgive us when we fall short, and that we might walk in light of your judgment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.